set. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I love you. I love you. I love you. Break it down like this. Welcome to Parenting with Patricia. Twice monthly conversations, insight, and advice on raising happy, resilient children. Your host, Patricia Pearson, LCSW. If you have a problem, question, or comment that you would like Patricia to address on the show, email parentingwithpatricia at gmail.com. Welcome to Parenting with Patricia. This is episode number three, and I am your host, Patricia Pearson. In today's show, we're going to talk about temper tantrums, what to do when our child has a meltdown. We've all been there, and it's so frustrating. Well, today's guest will be Karen Chaudhry, licensed clinical social worker and a counselor at Counseling of Alexandria. Karen and I are going to be talking about how to prevent tantrums and what to do when your child melts down. Also in the show, I'll be hearing from parents and answering emails with their parenting concerns. And remember, as always, if you have a question, you can email me at parentingwithpatricia at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. So right now, I'm talking with my friend, Odessa Belker. Welcome to the show, Odessa. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. good. You know, sometimes... Sometimes on the show, I like to have parents and highlight parents that I've met over the years that have inspired me in some way and stood out. Now, Odessa and I were in grad school together. We were two stressed out grad students writing papers, doing projects, and studying for exams. But what stood out to me about Odessa was that she had a newborn. How did you manage to do this in grad school and have a baby and finish the program? I took him to school with me. <laughs> I'm sure you remember him being like wrapped up in, in my, he was born in January. I graduated in May. So um, I just would kind of wrap him up with me and take him to class that winter. Um, and I was able to do my intern, take six weeks off and then complete my internship with going more days a week than we were required to get the hours that I needed in. So I know that, you know, it's a social work program, so that helped a little bit, um, but our professors were very accommodating to the, the two classes that I had to take. I do remember that, you having your son with you wrapped up in school, and I just thought, what an amazing mom. I mean, that is what a mom is. She keeps going on with her life and doing what she needs to do. Um, now later, because I kept in touch with you through the years, I noticed that you had two more sons, twins. Yes. And um, I follow you on Facebook, and the other day I saw one of your posts, and, and I giggled when I read it. I thought it was really very cute. It says, having twins is great because it's twice the love, twice the cuddles, and also twice as fun to chase two nuggets screaming suicidal <laughs> toddlers in public while onlookers say helpful things like, you sure have your hands full, or hey lady, your kids are trying to take a dump in the bird bath. <laughs> and so I wondered, what is it like having twins? And do people really say these annoying things to you? Every day when we go anywhere, um, usually the first question I get is, are they twins? Yes, and then um, sometimes I'll get like, which one was born first? And they're two, so they're all over the place. And I'm just trying to keep them in the cart or keep them near me or get them in the car, whatever we're trying to do. 
and I hear all the time, double trouble, you must have your hands full, um, oh, two at once, how do you manage? Very carefully. So I do hear it a lot. You, you get, you, we, are, we are a very public family because when we walk out places, people know us. When I go to the store by my house and I've gone in without the twins, she's like, where are your babies? I, the twins aren't here. I'm like, yeah, I, I have five minutes to myself. <laughs> so. so it's almost like um, once you have twins, you're, it's almost like you're a celebrity in a way because people are going to talk to you and notice you can't just go out to a restaurant and sit down and eat. No, I'm wondering if it'll change when they get older because, you know, they're the cute baby and toddler stage and if that'll change if they get older. So, but I've heard from other twin moms that, you know, nine, 10, until they don't, you know, men are identical. So they'll probably always look the same, but until they look different, um, yeah, you get those questions. And, and I got a chance to see them this weekend. They really are very adorable. So I could see where you could get attention drawn to you because they're just so cute. How is, is it hard for your other sibling, the other son? He loved it at first. My, the, my twin spent about a month in the NICU. And so he was very anxious to see and meet his brothers. There are some days when it's like, I don't want to take the babies with me. Like, do we have to go there and take the babies? Because then they, everybody's talking to them or they're running in two different directions or I have to look at one while you chase the other one or I'm yelling at him to chase that. So he loves his brothers, uh, but there are times when he's like, can I just go to my friend's house for the weekend? So Yeah, I, I do get that. You know, I adopted my daughter from China and my, my son is a biological son and I kind of had some sort of thing which you're talking about when we would go out since my daughter looked different than me and she was a baby from China, you know, it was all this attention at restaurants and things. And you, you got to the point where you wanted to just sort of hide them when you went out yes. so that you could just, right. And, you know, I never really thought about that until I read your post online that twins would cause that attention. And, and sometimes you don't really want that attention. You want yeah. to just go to the grocery <laughs> store. Um, so what do you want people to know? If you could tell people... What do you want them to know about your life and what, what, how we'd like them to respond to you when they see you? I think if you know a twin mom or a higher order multiples, the triplets and more, like reach out and offer help because we don't have time to ask for it. Um, I think the first six to 12 months of having these babies were completely a blur. Um, their dad said, that about two years into this, so just a couple months ago, he's like, I think I'm just getting over the shock. So he had about two and a half years to figure, you know, get over that shock. And he's like, I think it's just sinking in. Like I have two sons. Like it took a long time. I think that when they tell you like it's twins in the doctor's office, you're kind of looking like, well, how did that happen? What's going on? What do you mean it's twins? Like, we, that's not what we planned for. That's not what we expected. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big shock. But offer, reach out to help. Um, and, like, when people do see you in the store, like, that help is so nice to be like, oh, let me hold the door open for you. I have a big, giant stroller. It's really hard. I call it the semi of strollers it's really hard to manipulate into some places sometimes, especially those double doors, because you don't fit 
in the thing in between. So you're trying to keep one door open while you're trying to open the other one because you take up all that space. Right. And are you that lady in the grocery store that has the, the big, big driving car cart and the two kids? Yep. <laughs> yeah. When they were little, I would pull the cart and push the stroller or vice versa. Um, and and now we get the, I go to stores where I know I'll have that and I, I can get that. And I usually park way out where somebody's left it in the thing so we can start from the car, straight in the cart to the grocery store. And, and I think what you're saying is so important because I'm guilty of this myself. If I see someone with that stroller of cute little babies, I do stop and go, oh, they're so cute and start a conversation. And I now that I'm hearing you, I feel bad because of course that's the last thing you want to do is have a conversation. So open the door for you. What other things, can you think of concrete things that we can do to help you guys? I love going to the grocery stores where people take out the groceries. I don't, I like, I'll spend the extra money at that grocery store so that someone does that for me. Um, like I said, offer to help. Um, if you know someone that has that, call them up and say, hey, what can I do? I think the first six months I would have absolutely loved to have a meal service where they deliver the meals or even if it's just pizza. If someone would have sent pizza once a week and I would have been like, okay, I don't have to think about feeding my older son and getting food and getting things together would have been so wonderful. Right. And now today's show, we're talking about tantrums and kids that have meltdowns and your boys are two and that's right at the age when that happens. So what do you do? How do you handle twice the number of tantrums? So I was thinking about tantrums and how often they have them. And I honestly say, like, we don't have a lot of tantrums yet. They may be coming. They just turned two in July. So, but, but I also know prevention, like getting on their schedule, keeping their schedule. If I know I'm going to be out, like this weekend, we were out past nap time. It was like, we have to end right now because I have to get them in the car because they need to go to sleep. Um, food, sleep, keeping that schedule going. If I know that it's, you know, about lunchtime and I haven't fed them yet, I keep snacks because that's an important thing. Like we want to prevent that from um, happening. When we go places like stores and stuff, like I remember my oldest having big tantrums in the checkout lines. And I think maybe this is a good thing about having everyone talk to you is that my kids don't have time to be like, hey, we want that because someone comes along and says, Oh, look at how cute twins. <laughs> so the the oldest twin, that was like one of his favorite words for a while was cute, cute. Like, I'm cute. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing, developing a schedule um, and um, working with the changes. Like if there's changes in the schedule, being mindful of those times when they need to eat, need to sleep. Um, are they too hot? Are they too cold? Are they, you know, too wet? And minimizing those issues and it helps minimize the um, tantrums and then talking to them. I, I know their dad always says like we talk to them like they're adults um, and not about adult subjects but it's like well here's the expectation like we're going to go here and we're going to do this and then we're going to do this and just kind of let them know what's coming and, and I think that helps a lot. 
Right. And and what you said is so important, prevention. You know, we're going to talk later in the show about what to do after your child has a meltdown. But prevention is such a big part of it. And you name so many things there, you know, keeping them on schedule, having snacks ready, having these things ready. Prevent, prevent, prevent. And, and it doesn't surprise me at all when I asked you that question and you say, well, we don't have many tantrums. Here you are with two two-year-olds and you're telling me you don't have many tantrums. But mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me because... I, I've watched you like this weekend, you as a mother, and you're just so calm with all children and so relaxed. And so, um, you know, I saw other children and even your son start getting upset about something and you just sort of reach down to their level and talk with them. Like you said, just talk and then you have this very soothing voice. And so that doesn't surprise me, but I think it's something that other mothers can pick up and learn from you. So... I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking a few moments out of your day to talk with us and um, tell your boys hello, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Let's hear from you. Now is the time in the show when I look at my emails from parents. And remember, if you have a parenting question or concern, you can email me at parentingwithpatricia at gmail.com. Today's email comes from a dad. He writes... Dear Patricia, my daughter is 16 years old and has always been a good kid in school and at home, but my wife and I are very concerned about a relationship with her boyfriend. I admit I'm a bit strict about the boys she goes out with, but I want her to be with a boy that respects her and is worthy of her, and this young man is clearly not. It seems like they're always fighting and my daughter's always crying. They break up and then they get back together again. This boy has a lot of problems at home, and he gets himself into a lot of trouble. I think my daughter likes a project and thinks that she can fix him. My gut is telling me to forbid her to see him again. I know that she'll be upset for a little while, but it's the best for her in the long run. What are your thoughts? Well, Dad, my advice is to be careful. You don't want to push your daughter away from you and closer to this boy. Now, first I want to say, if there's any signs of domestic violence, then that's a much more serious matter. But your email didn't mention any violence or abuse. So in this case, would I suggest telling your daughter to forbid her to see this young man? No, I would not. Your daughter sees something different in this boy that you don't see. Perhaps he's fooled her, or maybe the young boy has a sweet side and just has had some bad things in his life. Either way, realistically, you can't forbid the relationship. The truth is teens find ways to sneak and continue to see each other. So, Dad, you really don't have that power. I would encourage you to stay quiet and just watch what happens. Now, I know that'll be extremely hard. It's not easy to watch your little girl, your princess, being upset by some boy and then watching her fall back into his arms again and again. But you say they break up and they go back and forth. Your daughter is learning. It is a heartbreaking lesson for her, but she's seeing how relationships work and how they don't work. In time, she will learn on her own that enough is enough and she will end the relationship. Now, there are some people who continue to try and try, and they have that belief that they can fix another person. And they desperately want that and they need that. If she continues for too long, I would suggest talking with your daughter, having a conversation. When we 
When our children start dating, it's very important to keep our doors open and always have conversations. Talk and listen. Now, the listen part is very important. You need to let her know that you do not feel good about this boyfriend. Share your worries in a gentle and caring way. Don't lecture. Make short, simple statements, but then most importantly, listen. Most importantly, give her time to talk and to listen to her. When you truly listen to her, you're showing her that she can come to you for support. And if she is in a bad relationship, she may need your support. The idea is not to put an end to every bad relationship our daughters have. The goal is to support your daughter and help her learn on her own what she wants in a good and healthy relationship. She's 16 now, but you won't always be there, Dad, to be the gatekeeper of the men in her life. And we want her to be able to do this all on her own. Today I'm sitting down with Karen Chaudhry, licensed clinical social worker and a counselor at Counseling of Alexandria. Karen began her social work career in child welfare, working as an adoption and foster care case manager. She has more than 15 years experience working with children, adults, and families. Karen very much believes that parents are the experts of their own children and always involves parents in treatment. Her areas of competency include, but are not limited to, children with ADHD, autism spectrum diagnoses, anxiety and depression, and social skills training. Karen also offers parent coaching sessions virtually for families who reside in Virginia. Welcome to the show, Karen. Hi, Patty. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about our topic today. We're going to talk about kids and tantrums and what parents can do. Temper tantrums. We've all been there. I think it's probably the worst part of parenting. When our child melts down and we feel like there's absolutely nothing we can do. Karen, why do kids do this and why do kids have tantrums? That's a great question. Um, I think that there are a couple of things that happen with tantrums. I think that one is they are a typical part of child development in depending on what stage of development your child is in. So when we think about very young children and we think about kids who are in the toddler years and the preschool years, this is a, a typical thing that we see. And it's a way that they try to manage their strong emotions. And so... That's one of the reasons. I think that um, one of the other reasons is that it's a way for kids to sort of communicate their, their feelings or their needs to us. It's not that different, I don't think, than an infant who's crying. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of the progression of the infant crying. Uh, um, it looks bigger. It's more difficult to manage because now we have a walking, talking human being. <laughs> but it's really not that different. And I think what you said is important for parents to hear that this is a normal stage of development. Mm-hmm. This isn't bad parenting or kids being bad. It's it's part of um, normal development, mm-hmm. and it's the way that they communicate. It is. It is. And it's just learning new ways to communicate. Right. Now, whenever I see a negative behavior in a child, I always try to think of ways to prevent it. I mean, once the tantrum started, that's a whole different tactic. But what can parents do to prevent a tantrum? So preventing a tantrum, I think it's, well, first of all, I think it's really important for parents to know their children well. So knowing what their child needs, how much sleep do they need, how much do they need to eat, how often do they need to eat, every child is different. So that's 
kind of a basic step in being able to avoid those meltdowns. Um, I think the other the other part is when you know that your child is triggered by something or that something is too stressful for them, that you, then you avoid that stimuli uh, if they're in a place where they're having a lot of tantrums. So let's say it's a particular store that you know, you continue to have meltdowns in, maybe you back off from that for a while. The other thing you, the parents can do is prepare their child. If, if the child's, like, I would say, older than two and a half, three, then you can sit down and, and say, these are the expectations for this store. We're going to go in, we're going to do this, kind of prepare them and see mm-hmm. how that goes and see if that helps to alleviate or head off a meltdown or, or a tantrum. Right. You know, early in the show, I interviewed Odessa Becker, who has mm-hmm. twins, two-year-old twins, and an older son also. And when I was asking her about temper tantrums, she said, we really don't have them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's surprising for people to hear with two-year-olds and two mm-hmm. of them. But she talked about preventing. And, you know, she is working with children all the time. And mm-hmm. so she's capable and understands that. And it's great. But I think preventing is much harder than sometimes we think. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot goes into it, and not everybody can line their day up just perfectly no. to prevent them. <laughs> no, they, tantrums are going to happen. I think that it's almost like a panic attack for some for some people. You know, I think that parents do a lot to try to stop them in the in the midst of it. But you should maybe just let it happen and keep the child safe. Sometimes they are going to have a tantrum and kind of let it play out right like you said sometimes we're we're unable to prevent the tantrum and our child Mm -hmm. just loses it they have this meltdown it's usually at the worst time and at the worst place now once they've started to have the tantrum how should a parent respond to it so you know safety is the first concern so if the child is is at risk of hurting themselves or someone else then obviously you want to get your child you know to a safe place um, and especially if that's in a public place, sometimes kids in you know a tantrum may try to run away or or something like that. So that's the first thing, obviously, that you you want to try to do. Um, the second thing to do is to respond in a calm way and not talk too much. I think that's the mistake we as parents make sometimes is that we try to reason them out of it or we try to say. Well, no, you're not. Of course, you're not going to get that because you just got this, and we just spent all this money on this toy, and you're not going to get this other one. That's not the time to to have that conversation. So, <clears throat> you're kind of letting the, the tantrum play out, and you want to reflect for the child what's happening to them. So, you might say, "Well, you're really upset right now. You're really stomping your feet. You're showing me that you're upset." And you're disappointed. You didn't get what you wanted. Okay, I see you're disappointed. And and kind of let them feel their feelings. Kids sometimes will correct you too, which is fine. If if the child says, "I'm not disappointed. I'm mad at you." Okay. Well, th- okay. You're so you're mad at me. Mm, okay. So later on, I think you can talk about it, but in the moment, not too much talking is is a good thing. Remaining calm. That's important for parents to do. Um, it's really important not to not to go on the tantrum with a child, <laughs> to let them go by themselves. <laughs> and that's hard not to sometimes. Parents have to make sure they're not depleted. And, you know, kids tend to have tantrums at the 
the worst possible times for us, <laughs> you know, when, when we're tired and we've worked all day and, right. and things like I that. I think so. you're absolutely right. When, when they have the tantrum, we have this tendency to want to talk and talk a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think a lot of that comes from we have an audience. You know, usually right. they happen when we're in line at the mm-hmm. store <laughs> or at Thanksgiving dinner when all of the family is there. And you right. see people looking at you. How is she going to parent? What is right. she going to do? And so there's that pressure of everybody's watching me. Eyes are on me. Yeah. What am I going to do to fix this? Yes, exactly. Yeah, and if you can try and tune that out as much as you can, that's what's best for your child. Just keep focused on your child and what's best for them in that moment and who cares about anybody else. If, if there's a parent out there that hasn't dealt with a, with a tantrum before, um, they could give us a call, but <laughs> I don't think that that's very, very frequent. You know, it's, it's, um, it's hard for any parent to deal with. So give yourself a little bit of a break as a parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do you say to the the family member or the person in line that says, what are you doing with that child? Just give them a smack and tell them they got to go on. Oh, golly. Isn't that the worst? Um, you know, I, I would ignore those folks as best I could. Um, if it's a family member or sometimes extended family, I think I think sometimes folks are trying to, to give advice that they think is helpful. Um, I think families can simply say, we're trying to parent in, in a different way. We're not really... We're not really doing that, so mm-hmm. that's that's not best for, for the child. And honestly, you know, meeting a child who's having a tantrum with violence, mm-hmm. <laughs> smacking them, uh, sends a, a different message, teaches a different message, which is really not helpful at all in learning in having a child learn how to manage their big emotions, which is the problem with tantrums. Um, And I like what you're saying about how really what they're trying to do is express a feeling and for us to help Mm -hmm. identify that feeling Mm -hmm. because at a young age, they don't know them yet. And so if we can say it to them, we're teaching them what their real feeling is so that in the future, there'll be less tantrums because they've learned that. They've learned to, to use their words and to express themselves with their words. And I think it's really important that you start that as young as possible because I work with a lot of teenagers. I know you do too. And, um, you know, sometimes they get preteens or teenagers that really don't know themselves all that well. They don't really know what their emotions are, what their feelings are. So if you can start that work as early as you can, when the emotions get big and the stakes are kind of higher, because they are, you know, Mm -hmm. for preteens and teens, then you've laid a really good foundation as a parent. Right. And I think even as adults sometimes, Mm -hmm. we're angry and we have a temper. And if we look underneath what our real emotion is. Right. um, So it's all ages. Yeah. Now, what about after the child finally calms down? They've had this temper tantrum. They're calm now. What are things that parents should do after the storm or what shouldn't they do? Okay. I think it's important to be nurturing towards your child at that moment. They've had a big meltdown. They've had big feelings. They need some support and some caring. I think it's good to give a hug or, you know, give a kiss, um, get a glass of water, help dry their tears. I'm really sorry. You're really having a hard time. Sometimes parents will say, well, that's rewarding their bad their bad behavior. I'm, I'm making air quotes. I know people mm-hmm. can't see me do that. But <laughs> as you talked about before, tantrum isn't bad. It's just a, a big feeling. And when you're having a big feeling, even an adult wants some comfort. So comforting them, I think, is really important. And then I think if the child is, you know, verbal, um, 
you can begin to have a little bit of a conversation about, well, you know, I know you're having some big feelings and, and see if they're able to talk a little bit about it to, to process what happened to them. If not, you know, you could wait, talk about it a little bit later or, or not. You know, I think the other thing parents sometimes do is feel like they need to talk about everything. And we don't necessarily. We kind of just need to be there for the, the big feelings, and then we can kind of let them go, too. Mm-hmm. Do you think we should give them options of what they should do next time? I think you can. I think you can. I think that's really hard in those toddler years because mm-hmm. I think it's really hard for kids to think that far in advance. Okay, next Tuesday when we're at the Safeway, I'm not going to do this again, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, um, but if kids are a little bit older. I think you. I think you can. I don't know. What What are your thoughts on that? I think you're right. Hard. When the When the child is verbal, it depends yeah. on the age. I I agree with you. Yeah. Now you talked about you know giving them a hug, mm-hmm. and and I I hundred percent agree with you that they need support after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. They don't need a parent to discipline them or to right. be angry or give them consequences. Right. I. But I can hear parents listening to this and yeah. saying. But after they have a meltdown, I'm all angst, you know, yeah, worked up. And yeah. how can I give them a hug or how can I be supportive when yeah. I'm in such a bad place? Yeah. So what are suggestions we can give parents so that they can calm down before? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I think that, you know, if parents can remain as calm as they can during the tantrum, then that's ideal. And then you, and then you will be able to be there to support support your child. Um I think that, you know, taking some deep breaths and kind of helping helping yourself calm down in that moment. And if your child is a little bit uh, older, then you can say, you know, it's you can kind of reflect for the child. You know, and I know it's really hard. And I, I feel like it's really hard for you. It's hard for me to see you this upset. I think that can help parents as well, just mm-hmm. to sort of be honest. Right. I don't know. Do you have ideas about that? I agree that it's better to just sort of step back, take some deep breaths. And if if you can't give the support, the hug, mm-hmm. the nurturing, if you can't give it at that moment, even if you give it 10 minutes later, 30 minutes yeah. later, that's better than not at right, all. Right. And if it means stepping back and going into the bathroom or another room and getting yourself together, then that's okay. Yeah. But to remember during the tantrum, if you can keep yourself calm, knowing that at the end of the tantrum, that's what you need to do. Yeah. I think also if you have a partner, if you have a parenting partner, if, whether it's extended family or if it's your partner in, in, in raising the child, that if you really are not in a good place and you feel very depleted and the child's having a, having a tantrum, that you all have a plan and you can switch off. So maybe that other parent can come in and is able is in a better place and able to provide that nurturing when you're not. Right. I think parents need to know that we're giving these things, but we know it's not easy. Mm-mm. You know, it's not. This isn't Mm-mm. easy to do these things because no. it's it's difficult. You have our own things going on in our own life, and to be patient and calm during these tantrums is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's not always easy, but we we try our best and we mm-hmm. do our best. Mm-hmm. Um, People always wonder, you think of, you talked about how being developmentally appropriate mm-hmm. for little kids to have tantrums, and we kind of accept that. But right. what about, I mean, we see kids that are older that mm-hmm. have tantrums. So mm-hmm. why is a child at an older age still having a temper mm-hmm. tantrum? Mm-hmm. I think there are lots of different reasons. I think there, there are lots of different reasons behind that. Um, I think it would be hard to say without knowing the, a particular child or, or what the issues or, or problems are. I think that if um, if it's kind of a trend, you know, <laughs> if it happens more than 
more than once, you know, every six months or something, if it's happening more, you know, frequently than that, um, then it's something to sort of investigate and look into. Maybe start with the pediatrician. Um, it could be just, you know, this, this is a child that's sensitive and has some big feelings and isn't sh sure how to handle them. And it, it could be something else. So Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of times it's the same reason a little kid has a tantrum. Mm -hmm. They want their feelings heard mm -hmm. and they don't know how to express it. And with older kids, they know how to express it, but they... They just feel like they're not being heard. Mm -hmm. And when they're trying to be heard so desperately, they get to the point where they have a tantrum yeah. sometimes. Yeah, they're overwhelmed. Exactly. Right. Could, could be lots of things going on in their yeah. life. Yeah. Now, parenting a child with tantrums, as we said, is very difficult. And all of these things we've talked about doing are hard. Um, as a parent, we can feel angry. Sometimes we feel out of control. When is it time to ask for help? I think it's time to ask for help. Like I, like I mentioned, if, if this is outside of the developmental expectation for a child to have tantrums, if you're seeing an older elementary school child have tant frequent tantrums, you should you know probably seek help for that. I think anytime a parent feels overwhelmed and this goes on for a while and you're feeling like you're outside of your comfort zone in parenting your child, then you could look for help as well. Now, when we say look for help, what do parents do? Where do they go? So, you know, you might want to do some, some reading. I like some of Daniel Siegel's books. I don't know if you mm -hmm. have those books. Mm -hmm. Um, you could start with there, um, with some of those books. You can also call, you know, look in your, uh, um, look online and find, you know, a therapist that's sort of an expert on parenting, who, who's an expert on young children. A lot of therapists will do one or two sessions, just sort of a parent coaching session. And, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to do those. I'm sure you probably do them too. And um, that can be really helpful for parents when they're a little bit stuck. Mm -hmm. I like how when you work with people, you work with the parents too, mm -hmm. because I Always. think that's so important mm -hmm. to work with the parents and the child at the mm -hmm. same time. Now, what about children that are very young? Um, parents could see, well, how are they going to go to therapy? So, you know, I see children as young as three in my practice. Um, we tend to use play therapy when kids are that young, and that a lot of people think that means we just go and we play, and we do a lot of playing, but that can really be helpful for kids um, who don't have the verbal ability to really sit and talk and talk about their feelings. It can be really helpful for parents as well, and so that's you know, that's one of the things I would recommend. Um, sometimes, depending on what the problem is, I always see parents first without the child and have them describe, you know, what's going on and what the problem is. And sometimes I don't need to see the child. Like I mentioned, I'll just meet with the parents a couple times. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for being with us. It's always good to sit down and talk with you. I think you've given some great insight to what a tantrum is and concrete things that parents can do today with their kid who's having a temper tantrum. Thank you, Patty. Takeaways from today's show. When our kid is in the middle of a meltdown, it is a really tough to keep from having our own tantrum. Temper tantrums can be frustrating for any parent. But instead of looking at them as disasters, treat tantrums as opportunities for education. It's time to teach our children ways to calm their big feelings on their own.
When kids have meltdowns, they have not developed good coping skills yet and they tend to lose it when they don't get what they want or when they can't communicate something that they need. And sometimes when they get older, they're aware of what they want and they're aware of what they need. They just want to have their voices heard. Well, that's it for today. And I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Take a moment to subscribe to Parenting with Patricia to make sure you can join me bi-weekly and be a part of all our parenting discussions. Have a good one. And remember, parents are important. You are important.